Pickle, 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 Peltero, pickle. It is Monday, November 2nd. Baseball season's over. We've got a show for you today. Chris, how are you doing? What up, bro? Baseball season's over. We're still talking. I'm down here in the cave, man. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm here in LA, obviously, Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Roadshow continues. Uh, we got some interesting stuff to talk about. Game six, Kevin Cash pulls Blake Snell. Razor noted, uh, don't go three times to the order for the pitching, for the starting pitchers. What is your read on the situation? There's been a lot of uh, analytics versus old school versus feel. Um, I got attacked by via text message by, by an old friend saying that I am completely wrong about my take. What do you think happened? What's going on? Is it good? Is it bad? I hate everybody. That's basically my, my story today. I'm going to be miserable today, but in the most positive way ever, if that's okay. Patrick gets mad at me when I'm miserable. I'm going to be miserable Just, uh, just keep it like two notches above Lou, and that will be okay. <laughs> All right. So I, I have this like general rule of thumb in baseball, um, and I tell hitters this all the time. And this is my, uh, my acronym that I use a lot with hitters. I want you to mix in a CHT before you do anything. And people are like, well, CHT, what's that? Hit, you know, timing. And I'm like, no, a conscious human thought. Just a conscious human thought before you do anything in your life. If I, I appreciate data and analytics and all the numbers and stuff like that, but anybody that's watching that game, anybody on this side of the Mississippi, that side of the Mississippi, wherever, they're leaving Snell in the game, right? There was no part of him. I'd had multiple text messages from people throughout the game talking about Snell dealing. Uh, you know, if you want numbers to back up the argument. And here's the part of it, right? Here is the point. When you choose an analytic, you have to choose a side with the analytic, right? Because there'll be a number that'll confirm or deny either side of the story for you. So the whole third time through the order narrative, I get it, right? Pitcher struggle third time through the order. Uh, I, like I'm off that though, because he's facing three guys at that moment that were 0 for 6 with 142 swings and misses that night. So Maybe let's like, let's weigh that one a little bit more. And and this is where, in my opinion, we have to use our eyeballs a little bit better because there's got to be feel in moments. And I think I, I listened to a thing Tim Kirchin did um, the other day and I, I, Tim's awesome. And I love listening to him. He kind of still shares that, that old school perspective. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it was bad for baseball that he came out of the game because you want to see the the guy in that moment. And, and then I, I was listening to another thing the other day saying, you know, are we ever going to see a team's ace uh, where you used to see guys like Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, um, all the, all those best guys that would go wire to wire in those games. And they would be the ones making the difference in the ninth inning. Think about that fact, right? Like if you look at it right now, um, you know, a guy like Tyler Glass now or Blake Snell or, Clayton Kershaw, whoever you want, and Max Scherzer is never going to be the one hoisting the trophy at the end in the, in the dog pile in the celebration, throwing the most important pitch of the game. That's what's tough to me about it. Yeah, there was a Bob Costas did a really good. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was the one you're talking about. So the the best pitchers of the generation will have never pitched the final out of a game. I think that's a really interesting thing to think about when you think about history of the game, like the Jack Morris ten inning 
performance in the World Series. That can't happen anymore. It can, it just won't. It's just the game's not going to allow for that anymore. And it's a lot of history. It's a lot of tradition that is lost. I mean, there's something special about a guy going wire to wire. There's like a, was it Roy Holiday did a, had a perfect game in the World Series? Like in the division series. Division yeah. series. Um, yeah. Like if, if Snell had a no hitter, would he have been left in the game? Probably not. He's probably going to get taken out. It was a crazy. two hitter at that point. So, so yeah, yeah my, my thing was, uh, it seemed very scripted to me. And I understand it. I understand, like, do what got you there, that whole philosophy where the Rays, I mean, I saw this one analytic met this, this formula that some statistician for the Rays had calculated that if, um, Margot had a 35% chance of being safe when he tried to steal home, then it was the right move because it would have shifted the win probability by whatever. And it was just like this crazy, crazy formula to be like, if he's safe, then it's, if he's got a 35% chance, then, then do it. And it's like, well, he was out. So <laughs> like, he's either going to be safe or he be out. But the, the, yeah. the momentum swings that happen because of that aren't in that formula. The energy... Yeah. That cha- when when Cody Bellinger was asked after the game, were you happy that Snell was brought out? He started laughing. That tells you everything you need to know. Mookie was a little more sly, but just kind of like a smooth smile, like yeah, we kind of you know gave us a chance. Bellinger yeah. straight up laughed. He was like, get this guy and out of the game. You, you can't touch my him. Fa- my favorite part about the Bellinger thing was like, dude, he was gross tonight. And Poppy Poppy was like, I've never I've ne- no Poppy said it like this. I never hear anybody use gross for pitcher, you know? And that's funny because gross is like a kind of a good description of it, which is cool. And look, and by the way, shout out Big Poppy. He's right here. He's right there. Um, I Funny, funny thing, right? Do you remember the year, and we could talk about this because kind of this is a current thing, the year Tua threw the pass to win the national championship because Tua got his first start and he got one his first start. Good job, Tua. Um, so that year, there was this whole big debate between Alabama getting in at the four seed and Ohio state getting in at the four seed. And there were like 17 straight hours of sports talk show about this. Right. And they were ripping out every stat from every data point in the world. And it was like, well, this team's RPI divided by, you know, daytime wins against power fives and top 26s. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like they just ripped off so many stats. But what it came down to is like there were a bunch of stats that made the argument this way and a bunch of stats that made the argument this way. And at the end of the day, it was going to come down to 12 people in a room making a decision based on their own personal opinion. Right. So baseball is trying to remove that whole personal opinion part, which it, it, I was actually just talking about this with, with the reporter before we got on the show. It's like, why are we taking out the subjectivity of moments? And I think that's what a manager's among other things, right, and managing humans, a manager's job is to understand his players and understand what motivates his players and what gets them really going. It's like to know your guys inside on backwards. Like at that point, I think the whole world knew that Blake Snell is a competitor and wants to stay in the game because it happened, you know, in the ALC, in the NL, uh, ALCS. Sorry. So I don't know. We're just taking away a lot of the cool stuff that, you know, is feel stuff because I don't know. People are afraid to get fired. And let's not take Dave Roberts off the hook either because he started doing a lot of the same stuff. So, and I know, you know, I don't really know cash and Roberts all that well, but like he had the situation with Baez, like they're doing things. Cause I think 
from a, a public perspective, they're like the path of least resistance in terms of defending their their position. Yeah, the the biggest takeaway for me is the analytics aren't factoring in everything that needs to be factored in. So it's really good. They're making really good decisions over the course of a full season. I think those numbers add up. But it's like uh, if you use a poker analogy, like stick to your numbers, play the odds through and through. You get to that final table, it's one-on-one, anything can happen. And you kind of have to go with your gut and go with your feel and, and play the man instead of play the numbers to an extent. So, um, yeah, you're taking away some of the human, a lot of the human element of the game. Uh, one argument that was made to me, was that cash knows his players better than anybody that he's been in the dugout all year that, you know, he has a feel on things. I think if, if that's the, the way the decision was made, he would have stayed in the game. I just, it, it felt so quick. I went back and watched it. The, I mean, it wasn't even like a firm single Barnes. It kind of fisted it out to center field. It wasn't like he took a great swing, you know, first pitch out to Pollock on the pop-up fisted ball to center. It's like, just roll them out there, man. Take your chances with your dude. It says something to your team. It says something to the other guys on the roster. Like we, we trust you. We're going to, we have faith in you. We believe in you. That That's a big deal in those moments. This is a winner go home game. It's it. So you got to have some faith. And uh, I just, the thing I always go back to with data is you have to ask the right questions. If you're not asking the right questions, the data can't give you the best answers. You got to know what problems you're actually trying to solve. And if you're not trying to solve the emotion component of the game, you're, you're missing a huge part of it. I don't know what the percentage is, but uh, I don't know that the, the analytics that you use in the regular season work in the postseason. It could be 10%. It could be 90%, depending on the situation. The emo- well, depending on a human, depending on the moment, and this is why it's, gonna, it's always going to be tough to have, you know, analytics judge true human behavior because um, emotion's unpredictable, right? I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's what the old school, that's what the old school baseball guys have been arguing for years. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it played itself out, right. It, it played itself out the way it did. And um, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I think there's the baseball purist in a lot of the, we're in, you and I are kind of that middle generation, you know, we're around Patrick a lot. He's in a little bit younger generation than us. And, and we, we deal with a lot of people that are in the older generation. So like we're somewhere in between, right? We were in the middle of that conversion. So I, I certainly see both sides. I am a baseball purist at heart, but I also very much believe in numbers. So um, I, I've, I've, I made it clear about 10 years ago that I didn't think the analytics could play in the postseason because, you know, the, the three run homer doesn't happen as often. I, I was in the postseason. I felt it. I felt those moments. It just changes who you are. It changes everything about everything around you. So to use data, predictive analysis based on past performance that had nothing to, it's not the same moment. So how can you use, how can you use that past data to to try to predict it? You can't, you just can't. Yeah. And just to wrap up, you know, the the Dodgers and the Rays are both fantastic organizations doing really amazing things. The the Rays payroll being as low as it is for them to get to where they are. It's pretty incredible. Um, and part of the raise is they have an iterative approach. They're going to make adjustments. They're going to try to get better. You know, they're going to recognize what happened and, and try to make adjustments. And that's, that is, that should be part of the system. It should be part of it. If it's not, then that's a problem, but um, I have a feeling they'll make some adjustments and, and like you've talked about Alex Anthopoulos in the past where he recognized 
the human element and how important that is and building a roster and constructing the different pieces that, that make up a good team. So they're going to get, they're going to make adjustments. They're going to get better. Uh, pretty impressive either way you look at it. And it was a great world series that uh, was a game five. That was crazy or game four. That was crazy. Yeah. That was one of the best games ever. It was awesome. So I'm gonna, I'm not lying. I thought that was the only good game of the whole series. That was the only one that was, that captivated me. That game was awesome. The Dodgers you. were the better team through and through. They they were the unstoppable force. Billy Garcia put up something on on uh, Facebook, I think. He was like the do- the team. It's like trying to hold back water with your hands. Like you tra- you hold it up and it's just it's coming. There's no you can't stop it. When you have Dodgers a team that's going to put together good AB after good AB, and I think that was what kind of like the Rays did that all year with significantly less talent. Um, that you know they had a bunch of hitters who didn't hit good, right? But had the ability to like put together a B after a B and they relied a little bit too much on, on the long ball, I think. And, and that was ultimately their demise when you're facing really good frontline staffs and, you know, they still competed like crazy. So good for them. Two out of 30, still pretty good. Pretty good year. Uh, next topic. If you're not first, you're last. Uh, you know, I'm just a, just a big hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Speaking of, if you ain't first, you're last. Mookie Betts versus Mike Trout. There was a really good segment on MLB Network where they were talking about who is the better player in baseball right now. And I'm going to say something that's weird and it's going to sound like it doesn't make sense. But I think Trout is the better player, but Betts might be the better baseball player. I thought you were going to say Trout was the better player, but Mookie's the better player. Uh, well, you I didn't say it that way, though. You went your own better baseball player. You tried to make it way too clear. Like, let's be obscure here. Come on. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Trout is—he's a beast. He's his statistically his his on base percentage is higher, his slugging percentage is higher, OPS is higher. Um, he's a objectively better player than Betts on paper, according to current standards of performance. Uh, tell you what, give me Mookie Betts. Like there's something to be said about winning. There's something to be said about um, what he brings to the table from an energy standpoint. And is it Trout's fault that he's not in the playoffs? Here's a question for you. Here's a question. If you switch Trout and put him on the Dodgers this year, do they still win? If you put bets on the Angels this year, do they make the playoffs? Do they make a run? All right, let's not get into these arbitrary arguments about who's better and who's worse because you can have an opinion, I can have an opinion. Usually, you and I have the same opinion, which is probably why we're friends. I like Marcus. I heart Marcus. That's my favorite thing to say, okay? So I have a personal opinion. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But to play devil's advocate, I should just take the the, the counter position all the time and be like, you know, who am I taking? I'd be like, you know, QK Hernandez. That's the best. I, I, like, I, I love Mookie, right? I, I just, I agree. With, I couldn't agree with you more. It leaves no room for interpretation in this conversation. Mookie bets. No, I, I, you're, you're right on the money. Trout, great player, right? I, I don't even know how to answer your question, to be honest with you. Because I, 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 can't, I can't play that scenario out for myself in my head. I can't put Mike Trout on the Dodgers, and I can't put Mookie on the Angels. Do you think it changes anything? I don't know. I really, I, I really I don't know. I think, hard it's a, time. I think it's a pretty interesting way of thinking about it. Just 
like it, it starts to think about the intangibles. Like what is what does Mookie bring to the table that Trout doesn't? What does Trout bring to the table that Mookie doesn't? Is there? I've never been Trout's teammate by everything I've ever seen. He's a terrific person. Uh, he seems to kind of keep to himself more. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, it's, that seems to be the case. I don't know if it's because I was in Boston. I was in New England, so Mookie was at Boston. I got to see more of him. I just I know when I've seen Mookie play live. He is like a lightning rod. He's he the way he moves on the bases, the way he commands attention, the way he just like creates energy is unbelievable. He's gonna impact the game even when he's not impacting the game, right? So he had a very pedestrian World Series by his standards and offensively, right? Uh, you know, two hits in his last two at bats, and it's so weird to even say that because it felt like he was involved in everything that happened that was good, right? Like. In the last game, he got the double to essentially get the first guy to third base uh, who scored the, you know, the first run and then obviously scored on C- the, the ball Seager hit um, and then hit the homer. So it felt like he was in the middle of everything. And what I will say is this, and I this is confirmed through sources that I spoke to recently. He's a winner, man, and he's a he's a guy that cares like I've spent time around Mookie. I. I loved him. I, I gave us, I was given a talk, a speech when I got a, an award at a Boston baseball writers dinner. And I remember just saying something like stupid. I was like, yeah, and hopefully Mookie can teach me how to play the outfield so I can extend my career by a couple of years. And he came up to me after he was like, man, that was too nice. He's like, hopefully you can teach me how to hit. I was like, dude, you ain't need no help learning how to hit. Like you're good. Like you can help me with that if you want to. Um, I, I'm biased, man. Like I, I just, uh, that's that's my take on it, and there's something to be said for the fact that that Trout hasn't been in the postseason, and people can make the argument that it's not his fault, and I, it doesn't take anything away from the player himself. It's just, you know, is it like I know I knew I know Mookie Betts's personality, his the way he plays the game, it trickles through everyone around him, right? And whether that was learned or inherent in him by all accounts like that maybe doesn't seem to happen with Mike Trout. I don't, I don't know. And, and it's unfair to, to put that onus on him because he's such a, he's, he might be the best player of all time. Like he literally might be the best baseball player of all time. So. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say, it's hard to pick anybody over Trout. It's, I mean, it's just a wild thing to even try to attempt to do. Um, it's the thing about best player versus best baseball player. There's things the, that are intangible that are in the conversation. You got anything else on that, or can we move on? I love Marcus. Very good. Great hitter game. Great hitter game. What is it? So this is something that you and I actually started doing a while ago, and uh, I posted a tutorial for this on the Pelotero website, uh, just a video. So it uses Evernote, which is an application you can use for free, and it's a way of doing data collection and creating data-driven insight without, like, fancy programming, without any, like, crazy software things. It's just literally just talk about what makes a player good and you write it down. You have to create tags and the, the software Evernote will count the tags for you. And then you can click on multiple tags to see which ones are connected and not connected. Uh, it's just a fun way to look at hitters and with on specifically on Twitter, I'm just trying to create some engagement and get people thinking differently about, you know, what actually makes hitters good and it's been funny because it's like one person will say hip rotation, then one will say hip deceleration. And one person will be like, oh, he has really good balance. 
the other one's like, oh, he swings really hard. It's like, all right. It's like, there's, there's so many different answers that like, you're not, it's not getting, this is going to help us boil things down. The cream will rise to the top, so to speak, where the highest number of tags or the tag that has the highest number of, of hits will be most important. Um, what do you think about it? Have you, been, have you been following along at all? Yeah. I mean, look, this is like the, the, the never ending unanswerable question almost, right? Like what, cause I think the answer and the way it's shaped can be different based on two, any two different individuals. Like all, and I think ultimately they all get to the same place. It's like, what direction does the road go to get you there? Right. It's like, what road do you take to get to your exit? You know, and it might take somebody less. They might take a more direct route, might take other people the longer route, but ultimately they get to all the things that really matter. Um, you know, to be able to like, to take like some just random ability to move or physical trait, and just say that's, you know, what makes somebody great is just, I mean, it's irresponsible, right? And I think that's a little bit of what's happening in, in today's generation is we're sitting here going, oh, well, like, there's got to be this one thing. Like, what's the magic formula, you know? And, and there really just isn't. There's a bunch of characteristics that exist in the best hitters of all time. Do they have good mechanics? Yes. Uh, do they uh, have great mental approaches? Probably. Um, do they use the whole field? more than likely, um, whatever, you know, uh, do they game plan really well? Yes. Like, so all those things exist in some capacity and they might look completely different, right? So what it comes down to, and, and I think this is part of grand scheme of things, in my opinion, why we could take a player from 50 years ago, right. And infuse them into the game today, or just have them grow up in the generation. Like, to make the argument could Babe Ruth hit today is ridiculous because yeah. Oh, he was using a 56 ounce bat. Like, okay, cool. Like let's take Babe Ruth born in 1918 something, whatever it was and make him born in 2000 and then see what happens. So like the point is everybody takes a different path to get there. It's like, when do you connect the dot, right? Like what age you connect the dot at? And, and every human has to be ready to connect that dot. They have to be ready to take that step in their minds where they, they learn something and, and, it, and they own it and it becomes part of, of, of their identity. So um, yeah, I mean, what makes hitters great? Probably how they tie their shoes. There was uh, there was one thread on Twitter talking about uh, exit velocity. I shared that with you. And it was just like, bat speed, exit velocity, hit the ball ah. hard. And it's like, you like the minor leagues are full of the best athletes available to the sport. And most of them never even sniff becoming great in terms of the, the, the grand scale of the game. So hitting the ball hard is not a measure of greatness. It's We say you got to check the box. You got to hit the ball hard enough. But it's just funny to be like one person wrote uh, for, for Juan Soto, they were like rotational acceleration. It's like, what? <laughs> so his rotational acceleration makes him a great hitter. That's ridiculous. And to say that, you know, exit velocity is a thing. My, my, I think what it all boils down to me for, for me is excellent hitters win moments. Like when the curveball is breaking that extra little half an inch, they stay on it. The fastball that's going to miss over, they fight in that moment. We're talking like fractions and fractions of seconds. That's where they win. 
they care enough to not lose those battles. And it's this, it's literally this, this long, this much time. It's the ball traveling that far. They win those moments and do it on the biggest stage against the best competition in the toughest moments. Where does that come from? Right. Is it, is that like a, the the ultimate answer is where does that come from? And to me, it's just like a very personal thing. Like, and and I, I, I tell hitters this all the time. Like, you know why I became a a good hitter? Cause I didn't like making outs. I got, you get good at winning cause you don't like losing. It's it, like winning is the byproduct. Getting a hit is a byproduct of not wanting to make an out. It is literally the byproduct of like hating to lose in competition. So that's where I think it's born from. I don't think it's born. I don't think most guys are, are it's born from like, they have this innate ability to swing the bat and hit the ball or like this just very organic yay, there's a bat and a ball and I picked it up and now I just, I'm on the barrel all the time. Cause you, even if you're the, you're the best swinger or the best like ball striker or whatever you want to call it, like there's so many moments in the course of even just one at bat where if you're not aware of how those are impacting the next pitch or, or, or the next at bat or whatever, that you might just concede at some point because everything's pointing against you. All, all signs are saying, hey, you're supposed to get out. Um, so, and this is, I think where you and I just always go back and it's, this is probably a cop-out answer, but it really is the only answer. It's adjustability, dude. It's the ability to adjust to every moment. It's the ability to, to create a different swing when you need to, when the situation tells you to, it's the ability to say, oh crap, I struck out my last four at bats. I'm going to do everything to not strike out this at bat. And they're all just. That, that that's adjustability in a nutshell, because if, if you can be adjustable, you can adjust whether it's your shoulder plane or your barrel direction or whatever, what hat you're wearing, how you tie your shoes in the morning. Let's be adjustable. L LBA. Let's be adjustable. That's New cool. acronym. So my, the, the, the thing that I always go back to is uh, an example of education and being smart. And if you look at like an Ivy league school, we have two interns now that go to Harvard Wicked smart kids from Harvard. So the the type of person that gets into Harvard is like the one percenter, right? And then when you get to Harvard, there's a one percent of the one percent. Like there's the smartest kids at Harvard. And then even in that group, there's gonna be a kid that is, you know, the top tier of that top tier. So when you get to the the top percentage of the game at the major league level, you're dealing with a worldwide pool of humans that gets boiled down and boiled down and boiled down and filtered to the point that you're dealing with the best of the best of the best. It's like the pyramid is so tight at the top and rotational acceleration, ability to hit the ball hard. Those are not the things that separate you. The thing that I'm trying to do with the great hitter game is find the separators. What are the things that, that really make them different, that make them great? Not that like other people have, like if you can have those things and not be great, then those aren't the things that make you great. They're, they're a foundational component, but they're not the thing that makes you great. The physical characteristics are all just like a box, right? It's like if you had a multi-select on a question, uh, multiple choice, uh, or you can click more than like, does this player check this box? Yes. Does this player check it? Like, are you, do you squat enough? Yes. Do you bench enough? Yes. Are you fast enough? Yes. Like, and then, the variations within that. And, and the funny thing is you see the kid, uh, 
like the like the, the big stink about one of the Giants prospects down in the in instructs that hit hit like the hardest ball ever, and he's like five foot nothing, a hundred nothing, right? Like he's like one hundred seventy eight pounds, and people are like you don't be doing that, like because being strong is not the only factor. Which you know, we could make a bunch of different arguments about a bunch of different things there, but let's not get into that. Like being strong is not the only solution. Like, why is the presumption, oh, it's all, like, I always used to hear broadcasters saying, maybe it's it's the onus is on poor play-by-play and color announcing for the last 20 years. Like, a, a guy, 162 pounds, hits a ball far, and they're like, dude, you're so strong. Like, like as if there's, like, magic muscles on his muscles. Like, no, dude, like, he's just figured out how his body works really well and does the things that he needs to do to be able to create great swings over and over again. Mookie, not a big dude. Marcus. I love Marcus. All right, let's go post show. Uh, off season has begun. Any um, this question for you? Any interesting free agents? Anybody that uh, jumps out to you? Trevor Bauer show is gonna be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I'm a free agent. <laughs> so I mean, I'm I'm gonna offer up my services to anybody that likes good hitters. I think I roll out 300, probably like 20, 25, at least. Uh, Trevor Bauer's gonna be interesting. Their qualifiers went out, qualifying offers went out yesterday. Only five five qualifying offers. Is that right? Gonna be weird, weird off season. Uh, How does Liam Hendricks not get a qualifying offer? Because he's with Oakland. What do you? What do you he's Oakland? been the best reliever in baseball for the last. Yeah, long. For him, he's gonna get paid as a result of it. That's good. For he's him. gonna get paid. Uh, Liam, if you watch this, I could use some money. <laughs> so. COVID's gonna be weird this uh, this 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 winter. Uh, I know things are spiking back up in the Northeast again. The way the Justin Turner thing played out at the end of the World Series, where he came back out on the field, I can't even imagine how many lawyers are working on how many agreements to to try to protect people. It's like you put the players in a bubble all year, and then you let the fans in at the last moment. Uh, weird stuff about the hotels, where it's like. If it's a team-only hotel where it's like you're literally isolating the players from the entire population, like it seemed like the NBA did, where it's like, hey, everybody go here. We're going to just – this is our whole ecosystem is here, and nobody's allowed into it. Yeah. And then you let 11,000 people in the stadium. It's like a guy in the third row coughs, and then the whole Dodgers team has COVID. Is that what happened? I mean – I re- I read a thing uh... – Joe Kelly was like, Joe Kelly's gotten relatively outspoken in his uh, uh, adult years here. And it was funny. He said the players weren't, they were staying on a golf resort, right? In Las Colinas or whatever it was. And um, the players weren't allowed to play golf, which you could imagine like on an off day, like baseball players tend to play golf. But he said all the umpires and media members and like anybody that was doing production could go play golf. So like he had like a villa that was right next to one of the greens and they were saying like, Hey, you're not allowed to, you know, people can't cross that line and they would hit a ball into the yard. They'd be like, I'm getting my ball anyway. So look, I I mean, how many layers deep is this thing, right? Like how many layers does it go down? Uh, You know, do you want to, I mean, people want to just, they're so quick to be like, oh, well, you screwed this up. Or, oh, screw you. Like, I, like, let's take a second and, 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 and just back up and, like, stop being pots that call kettles black all the time, right? Like, everybody, oh, well, he shouldn't have done this or he shouldn't have done that. Like, 
without ever putting themselves in the moment or, or really understanding anything. So like, you know, people want to get mad at Turner, like, all right, cool. Get mad at him. Like, what's it going to accomplish? Like, are you going to feel better about yourself when it's all said and done? Like, look, he did what he did and right, wrong or indifferent. And we can just say, you know, according to what our new normal is in this world, that it's wrong. Okay, great. But like, as long as his teammates like were cool with it, which they certainly seem to be, and they all have his back. I don't know. Like, I, I, it's just, just too much. I don't know in the world right now. And, you know, where is the onus? Where, like, where is the true onus? Are we really looking for somebody to blame? Because yeah, there's a bubble. And if you're in a bubble, theoretically, like you should be protected, but somehow he still got it. So. Yeah. And there's the argument that he was in the dugout the entire game with his teammates and the day before and the day before that. It's just, it's, I think I'm glad they played. I'm glad that there was a season, uh, it would have been a weird summer with no baseball for sure. And, and having some normalcy, having some entertainment on TV, having you know, football on TV, it, it's nice to have some rea- some reality. Uh, but it's just, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you're dealing with health, you're dealing with things that are much bigger than baseball. So you want to say like, Oh, it's just a game, but there's, there's more layers to it. So it's well, tough. Thankfully, no player has actually imploded on the field. Like I was worried at one point that a human would actually implode. You know, for the most part, it seems like athletes have, you know, staved this thing off pretty well. And uh, I don't know. I, it's just, there's just too much. I don't know for me to have a strong opinion one way or the other. And you know me, I don't like to pick sides. Very good. All right. Anything else? No. I'm good. That's it. That's a rundown. Thanks for joining us. Have a good Tuesday. I'm going to come leave with some dance moves. Is that a dance move? Mm. It's harder like when you're That's sitting down. All right. See ya.